Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week. NFL number two, college football week number three, football cards. And Victor, it was quite a week in the National Football League, to say the least, in college football as well. It certainly was, Mark. And a little bit of congratulations are in order. First off, Mark Lawrence nailed his highest rated best bet of the weekend. And that was that opening week game of the year on Sunday on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Didn't even need the points. Pittsburgh got the outright win against the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime. A really nice call. Mark nailed that best bet of opening weekend. And we did okay with our selections as well. King Creole's service ended up going three and two overall. It started on Saturday with the college football watch and win selection as we hit on the over in the Houston Cougars, Texas Tech Red Raiders game. And then we followed it up on Sunday with a winner on the Minnesota Vikings, who was, of course, a very sharp handicapping play over the summer. We also had a um, selection on Monday night, which was a winner on under the total in the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos game. And actually, Mark, it ended up going four and two because somebody nailed their team total over the weekend as well. And that would be our boy Tuco. And there he is. I know there's a little (laughs) glare, but there was Tuco's play. Philadelphia Eagles over their team total of 26 and a half points. Way to go, man's best friend. The Eagles had 24 points at the half. They finished with 38 a great start for our boy Tuco. And, you know, Mark, uh, we've got one of our regulars. I'm talking about Jeff Kobashik up in Canada. And I was talking to him over the weekend and on Monday as well. And he tells me now that he wagers these Tuco team totals like they are five-star best bets of the month. He's cleaned up on them. Uh, it's a great start for those team totals. Again, 70% over the uh, winning percentage Thus far with those team totals, Tuco's got another one going this week. We can't tell you what it is, but it's in this week's totals tip sheet newsletter. But, Mark, that's enough with the review. we got to move on to the second full weekend of college football in the NFL as well. Well, Victor, you know it was another week of wild finishes and stunning upsets in college football. And the one thing that I take away the most from last week in college football, my main storyline had to be the three Sun Belt Conference teams that visited Power Five Conference programs. They collected big paychecks, over $4 million in total, just for signing up for those gimme games for those Power Five teams. And what happened? The Power Five teams all went down. They lost straight up at home in embarrassing fashion. Kudos to the Sun Belt Conference, especially Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, and Marshall. That was a job well done. That's what I remembered about last week's college football card. What do you take away from the card as well, Victor? 
Well, remember in last week's podcast, we mentioned the great home cooking in college football in uh, week one? Yes. Well, we did a complete reversal in week two. It was all about the road teams last week. They went 30-16-2 against the spread, 65%. That included 9-2 ATS for road favorites, 21-13 for road dogs. So it was actually a great week for the road teams. And after two and a half weeks now in college football, favorites are now 55, 43, and two on the season, right around 56%. Conference favorites have jumped out to a really quick 10, 4, and 1 against the spread record. That is 71% against the spread. Uh, for the second week in a row, the over-under situation went 20 overs, 25 unders, and one tie for the second week in a row. And, Mark, my uh, few takeaways, the sports books, man, they cleaned up on the Texas Longhorns due to that down-of-the-wire game against Alabama. There was a very high percentage of wagers on Alabama in that game. We definitely know about that. The ATS outcome was never in doubt in that game. We'll call it a moral victory for the Longhorns as they gear up for SEC play. Uh, Wisconsin had that horrific Lost to Washington State as a 17-point favorite. That was actually a little fluky. They drove into Wazoo territory eight times on offense in that particular game and scored just twice. They missed two field goals. They had two fumbles. They turned the ball over on downs. They punted from the 37-yard line. Uh, Wazoo only had 253 total yards in the game, but still beat the Badgers 17-14. to Uh, The Aggies, they got shocked at College Station, getting upset as a, what, 18-and-a-half-point favorite to everybody's favorite lovable team. The guys you just mentioned, the Mountaineers of Appalachian State. And we'll see what happens this week in College Station as our Hurricanes head over to the Lone Star State. And finally, Mark, I see that the Iowa Hawkeyes are favored by about 22, 22-and-a-half points this week against Nevada. And if I do my math right, that means Iowa is going to need 10 safeties and a field goal (laughs) to cover the point spread. (laughs) We have to tweet that one out, Victor. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what they're going to need to win a football game like that, seeing as they've only scored seven points in each of their first two football games. And uh, our good friend Jim Feist uh, is going to elaborate on that with a little bit later on the show with a pick on that football game. So stay tuned. To all of our listeners out there, let's move it over to the NFL side of things, Victor, and take a look at week number one in the National Football League last week. And uh, my my first observation is it was a week from hell for the place kickers. Unbelievable. The amount of field goals that were missed. And I don't know if you credit that to uh, the shorter preseason, the fact that maybe they weren't as involved in the preseason like they would have been in the regular season. They weren't playing regulars in the preseason. All I know, it was a mess for the place kickers in the National Football League in week number one. The questions I have coming up this week, Victor, before I hand it over back to you, is this could be uh, what I call an NFL week of firsts. And it could be the first time since 1993 that the Cleveland Browns will actually start a season 2-0 and for the first time since 1993 if they get past the New York Jets. If they don't, there should probably be an investigation. It could also be the first time you'll see the Detroit Lions favored after having been an underdog each of the last 25 games in a row. Now the Giants dress up in favorite clothing this Sunday. We'll see whether or not they can handle that. 
And we might also see the first time ever that the Green Bay Packers start out uh, 0-3 since 2005. If they lose this week, it could possibly happen next week. Aaron Rodgers has never lost three straight games at the Green Bay Packers, so this becomes a pivotal game for Green Bay to not let that scenario happen. What did you find out? What did you learn last week in the NFL with your observations, Victor, if you would? Well, it was a pretty much a middle-of-the-road week in terms of uh, home versus away, favorites versus dogs. Home teams ended up going 9-7 and seven against the spread. Underdogs split right down the middle. Eight dogs covered. Eight dogs did not. There were, however, five underdogs who won their games in outright fashion, and that would be the Browns, who you just mentioned, against the Panthers. Pittsburgh against Cincinnati, who we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, the Bears with that uh, big home win against the San Francisco 49ers in the quagmire in the Windy City. The Giants got the uh, upset win against the Tennessee Titans. And then, of course, the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football with that 17-16 win against the Denver Broncos. Even more important, week one was a very low-scoring week in the NFL as 11 out of the 16 games ended up going under the total. It was the lowest scoring week one in the last five years. The average line was 46.1. Average score only 42.1. The average NFL game ended up going under the total by four points. Some of those under highlights, the primetime games, the night games, all three of them went under the total. And that was last year in the first week of the season, all three primetime games went over. All three primetime games in week two went over last year. That's not going to happen this season. All three games went under, averaging only 32.0 combined points per game. And it was also marked in division games. Five out of the six division games played in week one ended up going under the total, combined only 393 if you ask me, it's a little bit exasperating, particularly for the guys who've got you know, more overs and unders in week one. Uh, who do we blame for that? Well, how about the fact that 11 starting quarterbacks in the NFL did not even throw a pass in the preseason? Not one pass, not one series. It's not surprising that those teams of those 11 starting quarterbacks ended up going three and eight against the spread. Oh. Wow. And uh, finally, I've got uh, the fact that their quarterback rating in week one was 86.1. That's pretty low compared to 100.4 in 21. So there you have it. Uh, I'm sure you may have a thought on that, but the fact that 11 starting quarterbacks did not even throw a pass in the preseason definitely contributed to a low scoring week one. Well, that's a great observation, Victor, and it's my feeling as well that these NFL preseason games are turning into farces. And when you find football teams that do not even want to attempt to play their starters because they're fearing injuries, this is what you get. You get the defenses so far ahead of the offenses. It wasn't even a, it was a joke week one of the National Football League this year. And it will probably continue to exist moving forward as long as we're going to continue playing three preseason games with coaches taking this rest, the regulars uh, routine going on. So, uh, good observation on your part. Those teams that did rest their starters started out poorly. We'll see whether or not they can bounce back in week number two.
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's move it over to our college football game of the week. And we've got a classic on tap this week. It might not be the best game on the college football card this week, but it certainly has been in years past. There's a lot of things and moving parts going on in this football game when Nebraska takes on Oklahoma in a battle of former Southwest Conference Big 8, Big 12 rivals. And I guess you would say, Victor, that the big story in this game was the firing of Scott Frost. How do you see this over-under shaking out between the donors? That's definitely the storyline in this particular game. You know, Mark, before I do get into our little college football segment, we've got to talk about newsletters real quick. We just came out yesterday with our newsletters. The Playbook newsletter came out Tuesday night. The Totals Tip Sheet newsletter also came out Tuesday. We are raring to go. You want to check those out. Playbook available $12 at the website, playbooksports.com. Total tip sheet available for $11 as well. Now, Mark, you mentioned Scott Frost, the first casualty, the first coaching casualty of the 2022 season. We're going to see if that impacts the Cornhuskers in terms of motivation this week against Oklahoma. You know, you and I were talking about this game before the podcast and how we remember those great games in the 70s and 80s when both of these teams who were uh, both in the Southwest Conference were always ranked in the top 10, and there was some classic games, Johnny Rogers, Johnny Majors, but that was a long time ago, and Nebraska has never lived up to their expectations since leaving that particular conference. Uh, in this game, it's a 12 noon Eastern start. It's at Memorial Stadium, of course, in Lincoln, Nebraska. The uh, the Oklahoma team opened up as a 14-point favorite in the game. They're down to about 11 as we uh, speak and as we do the podcast on Wednesday afternoon. Even more importantly for our side of things is the fact that the over-under line opened at 65.5 points and is starting to creep up. 66.5, there's even a couple of 67s in there. And man, oh man, that's a high over-under line. I think there's some value in this particular game going under the total. Oklahoma's already 0-2 over-under on the season. They went under by a half a point against UTEP in their first game of the season. And then in last week's game against Kent State, uh, Oklahoma really struggled on offense in that particular game. Final score, 33-3. It went under the total by 37 points against the Golden Flashes. Meanwhile, Nebraska has started the season 1-1 one one over under. They went under by seven points in their uh, game one uh, against FCS opponent North Dakota. And then, of course, last week they were involved in that big-time shootout against an all-of-a-sudden very good offensive team in Georgia Southern. It went over the total by 23 points. That is where Nebraska stands right now. On paper, we could very well have a quarterback duel in this game. We know all about Casey Thompson of Nebraska as he utilized the transfer portal to go from Texas to Nebraska. And if you remember last year's game against Oklahoma, the Red River shootout, final score was Oklahoma 55, Texas 48. In that particular game, Thompson was on fire. He went 20 for 34, 388 yards, five touchdowns in the game. Uh, for the um, Oklahoma team, of course, we've got Dylan Gabriel, 
the guy originally born in Hawaii. He's 36 for 51 so far in two games for 525 yards. Again, with a line this high, we're leaning under. Both teams are trending under in the first month of the season. Nebraska has gone 75% under the total in their non-conference games. The under has gone 80% under in the last five meetings. So, Mark, with that high line of 67 points, we're going to take a look at this game under the total. Uh, we can't ignore the fact that Oklahoma's had a tremendous defense. And not only that, but, uh, you know, Oklahoma, they don't need to have that offense that they had last season with this very, very good defense. So, again, we're going to take a look at Oklahoma-Nebraska under the total of 67 and, of course, kick it off noon on Saturday. Victor goes under in the old classic rivalry between Oklahoma and Nebraska for his complimentary call in the football game on Saturday. And an interesting sidebar note in this football game that when Scott Frost was let go at Nebraska, they hired interim coach Mickey Joseph. And Mickey Joseph just happens to be the first black head coach in Nebraska school athletic history. There was no Rooney rule needed in Nebraska. They did the right thing here. And uh, we'll see whether or not he can uh, earn his way on to becoming a full-time head coach. But uh, it'll be interesting to see that with what Nebraska did in replacing Scott Frost with Mickey Joseph. And you couldn't talk about a head coach who got a fired the first coaching firing of the year in a harder way than Scott Frost. We even went so far in our Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine to list Nebraska as a top 10 money point spread winner this football season. And we, did, we based that largely upon their play on the field the past few years. They've been losing a lot of close call football games. They were improving statistically was Nebraska. And they were just sitting on the precipice of a breakout season. And they just couldn't get out of the gate in any kind of fashion. The embarrassing loss to Georgia Southern was all they needed to see. They fired Scott Frost, but my goodness, you look inside the numbers here, the last 13 Nebraska losses have all been by single digits. Any kind of a break at all, and we'd be talking about Scott Frost coaching this football team, but that's not the case going into this game. Nebraska also happens to be 4-0 against the spread as a dog against Big 12 opponents. Flip it over to Oklahoma, and they've really struggled in their last 15 games as a double-digit favorite. They're only 3-12 and 12 to the spread. This is Brent Venable's first road game ever as a head coach in his coaching career. And with his conservative approach, as Victor mentioned here, the football games for Oklahoma have been going under. He's a defensive coordinator by, uh, by trade. I look for the pressure in the first road game to get uh, after Brent Venables in Oklahoma here. I like Nebraska plus the points to once again stay within a single-digit margin in a football game. I'll play the Cornhuskers plus the points in this football game in what could well be a case of winning one for the Gipper. Watch and see if Nebraska doesn't play their tails off in honor of Scott Frost. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, what do you say? Let's hop over to the National Football League side of things. We've got a dandy on tap in an NFC South division battle taking place on Sunday when the Tampa Bay Bucks invade New Orleans to take on the Saints. Victor, how do you see the up and down going in this contest? Right, we've got a battle of 1-0 and as both of these teams won their first game of the season. And in terms of the total mark, 
this one is attracting a lot of sharp money on the under, and I'm I'm definitely part of it. It opened at what 40, oh, 46 and a half. There was even a couple of 47s out there in this particular game. It's already come down to 44 to 44 and a half. It's dropped a full three points. That is a significant line move. We released it as one of our selections earlier in the week when it was 46 to 46 and a half. And again, if you're going to get your action in, we talk about 44 being a key number in the NFL. So if you can find a 44 and a half and then make your move on the under, that's definitely going to be the two way to go in this particular game. The last four meetings between these two teams, the Saints and the Bucks, have averaged only 40.7 combined points per game. And with Tampa, of course, playing the role of road chalk, will gladly play the under in a hot uh, game-specific pattern. Game two, same division games in the NFL in which the road team is favored by greater than a point have gone 1-11 and 11 over under since 2007 when the OU line falls in the range of 41 to 53 points. Now, Tampa's great defense, they allowed only three points to Dallas in that opener. And, of course, uh, both these teams off week one road wins. And that plays right into a fantastic 1-17 and 17 over under situation. All NFL games in which the host is an underdog, like the Saints, when both teams come in off a road win in their previous game, and the OU line is in the range of 42 to 52 points, that applies to this particular game. It's the only game in the NFL this week that applies in that 1-17 and 17 over under situation. So get your action in again ASAP as this one, again, open at 47, has fallen down to the range of 44.5 to 44. So, again, we're going big easy under the total Buccaneers versus Saints. Victor does a double under for his college and NFL plays of the week this week. He goes under the total twice, once with our college game and another with the Bucs and the Saints on Sunday. Taking a look at this contest here, the Tampa Bay Bucks come into this football game off the big win, comfortable win over Dallas last Sunday night. Playing with double revenge chip on their shoulder for the Tampa Bay Bucks, they were taken out twice last year by the Saints. One of them was a nine to nothing loss. Now, one might think that Tampa Bay would be a little bit incentivized playing with double revenge, but the fact of the matter is, they've not beat New Orleans in the regular season since Tom Brady's been their quarterback. They're zero and four against the Saints with Tom Brady in regular season games against New Orleans. And in fact, if you look at the Bucks themselves, how about? Just one and six to the spread on the road when playing with double revenge. New Orleans checks into this contest here with a strong number as a conference home dog against a quality opponent, an opponent of 800 or better. How about New Orleans the last nine times they've been in this role? They've won eight of those games straight up and cashed the ticket all nine times. I think the strength of New Orleans this football season is going to be the play of their quarterback, Jameis Winston, who had a really terrific game last week, especially in the fourth quarter of that football game. He played like a Pro Bowl quarterback. Winston, in his career as a dog of more than three points, is 17-9-1 against the spread. Also, Winston, in his career against an opponent's 
coming off a straight up an ATS win when he's taking more than three. He's seven and one against the number. You look at Tom Brady in his National Football League career. This kind of jumps off the page for me because in my database, when I look at Tom Brady, I see nothing but ATS wins. He's like two to one point spread covers in his career in just about every category except this one. When he's a road favorite coming off a win and he's taking on an opponent that's off a win, Tom Brady is only 18 and 32 against the spread, including six and 19 the last nine years. You put it all together here. I'm going to play New Orleans as the live home dog in this football game to see if they can't continue to hand Tampa Bay all the woes. We'll play the Saints plus the points for our play in this football game. And with that, it's time for us to hop out to Las Vegas for the debut of Andy Isco for the 2022 football season on our Against the Spread video podcast this year. I want to welcome Andy into the show. Andy, how are you doing and how is everything in Las Vegas these days? Well, Mark, everything is going nicely. It's a bit of a surprising uh, opening week, uh, actually, uh, Saturday, I think, in college football sort of uh, got us set for some of the goings on Sunday in the opening week of the NFL. And uh, uh, I've always mentioned that we don't want to overreact to the results of any week, especially week one. Yet at the same time, we don't want to fail to react because every result tells us something. We don't know if, uh, for example, the Rams played their worst game of the season last week or uh, if they played an average game. Uh, you know, did uh, Jacksonville play one of its best games in a loss? We won't know that until several more weeks unfold and we get a real good handle on which teams are improved, some perhaps greatly from last year, which teams uh, have regressed from last year, and which teams are playing pretty much at the level that's been expected, perhaps using the expected uh, season win totals as a guide for measuring expectations. Well, Andy, that's a great observation because I've heard it said so many times before in the past that uh, oftentimes there's an overreaction in the National Football League to results from week number one. And it's largely made by the fans, the public who remembers what they saw last. And, you know, they saw some football teams win very big. Tampa spanked Dallas in a football game like that. The Chicago Bears won a football game. Uh, so is there an overreaction in these football games? Most likely. We'll find out whether or not it happens this particular week. All I know is that when I was in Las Vegas for the sign-up weekend on Superbook weekend, I thoroughly enjoyed visiting with you, having dinner a couple of nights with you and our good friend Jay Sullivan, my wife Colleen. We were out there for our 55th wedding anniversary. And you guys, I got to say, put a big smile on her face while all the time we were out there. It was really good catching up with you, Andy. It was a lot of fun. And by the way, just uh, I think both you and Colleen and maybe uh, Junior will uh, join the uh, party next year out there in the uh, out here in Vegas uh, next year at uh, at Westgate etc. I did want to add one point to uh, what we talked about or, or a moment ago about uh, overreacting etc. Uh, the thing that I also often keep as sort of like guidelines, sort of like my, part of my ten commandments, is that when two good teams meet, one good team must lose, and we don't necessarily want to downgrade that one good team because of a loss and at the same time when two bad teams meet one bad team has to win and we don't necessarily upgrade that bad team uh, off of a loss so that's sort of a corollary to not overreacting yet at the same time keeping things in perspective and we'll learn over the course of the season uh, which of these teams perhaps we should have overreacted to in week one and they may not necessarily be the teams that we would have thought prior to week two. Well, Andy, what I do remember from my visit in Las Vegas is the fact that there were some record amount of signups for the super contests out there. 
Circa in particular, the Survivor in particular, and the Westgate Superbook. So if you would, as you customarily do, and I know our listeners and viewers out there, we're now video casting our podcast as well. They would love to know what the contest standings are with the major contest at the Circa and the Superbook, if you would. Okay, let's begin with the Super Contest and Super Contest Gold. I won't do a great deal of coverage of the Super Contest Gold this year, mainly because there are only eight, 80 entries in the winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee. So it's $400,000 to the winner, but it's very difficult to get a true grasp on the significance of the uh, opinion of the field when the field is comprised by uh, only uh, 80 contestants, albeit each putting up a nice sum of, of, of money to do so. Uh, rather, I'll concentrate on uh, the, uh, I'll report the standings. For example, last week in the Super Contest Gold, uh, the top consensus plays, there were six of them this week because of their uh, tie for the fifth most popular, uh, went four and two. The Giants and the Steelers were the top two uh, selections. Uh, they tied with 26 of the 80 on those. Uh, Pittsburgh had, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, Philadelphia next at 25 was a loser with that late comeback by Detroit. Minnesota at 24 was a winner. And Cleveland and New England tied for the fifth most popular selection. They each had 20 contestants uh, picking their games against the spread. They split, so that was four and two. Now, in the, uh, the, the bigger contest, the one that we've known for years, and I think uh, as long as it's around, it's still the granddaddy of the uh, sports betting handicapping contest, and that's the Super Contest Classic. Uh, that one drew uh, just under 1,600 entries. It was 1,598 entries at $1,000 each. So it had a $1,000,000. $598,000 prize pool, but what the Westgate has done, both Circa and Westgate have many in-season contests. What the Westgate did was guarantee the prize fund for the uh, uh, for the quarterly and the the uh, six-week contest, the three-week contest, and the two uh, first half, second half contests. That came out of that million five uh, ninety-eight, or let's say a million six, leaving roughly about five hundred thousand uh, dollars for the overall super contest itself, which pays thirty places. The first prize in that contest is now just under two hundred thousand dollars. One million, uh, excuse me, one hundred nine. $97,200 to be precise. And it was a couple of years ago when the first place prize was over a million, but COVID and competition from Circa, in a, which includes the uh, cutting of the uh, entry fee by a third from 1,500 down to 1,000 has uh, resulted in the drop, but it's still a very popular contest. And the consensus in that contest had a very good week, also going three and two uh, with the top three selections, Vikings, Ravens, and Steelers all covering in their games. The Eagles with that tough loss of the spread laying four, winning, holding on to win by three, uh, was a loser, as was the fifth most popular selection, the Carolina Panthers, who were actually laying one and a half in that contest, so uh, it would not have mattered if Cleveland got that last field goal because Carolina would have won by only one point in that game, and uh, watching the way that game played out, it had to be somewhat impressed with Cleveland uh, as uh, Carolina needed to mount a uh, rather furious fourth-quarter rally. So that's the uh, uh, super contest. In the uh, Circus Survivor, they had a $6 million guarantee prize Fund, and they needed 6,000 entries at $1,000 each in order, in order to cover the cost without having 
to put anything else in. And they, it looked like they were going to get there. It looked like it might even be closer to 7,000. It got there, but not by as much as we thought, perhaps even about two weeks ago. 6,133 uh, contestants entered, paying that uh, $1,000 entry fee in which you pick one game a week straight up once you lose you're eliminated and to say that it was a bloodbath last week Ooh. is making an understatement uh, <laughs> you got Baltimore. that right yeah oh it, it, was, it was absolutely amazing not only that we had the tie game between the colts and texans in which both teams got eliminated <laughs> from the contest uh interestingly enough despite all of that the most popular selection which was almost on a quarter of these selections the baltimore ravens came through they had 1663 uh, contestants picked that selection out of the uh, 6133 who who entered. So they advanced. But look at some of these other numbers. 875 lost with the Colts. 708 lost with the Titans, who missed a last-second field goal. The Colts, of course, had an opportunity in their overtime game. 49ers losing at Chicago hurt 703 contestants. Uh, Denver Monday night, 569 contestants at wow. Denver. One had Seattle. That's a very happy <laughs> Seattle camper because there may not be – very many opportunities to play Seattle over the course of the uh, might have been of Pete the Carroll's entry there, Andy. It might have been Pete Carroll's entry. <laughs> uh, would, uh, <laughs> it might have been Russell Wilson's uh, entry, too, given on those fumbles, uh, the fumbles that his teammates had down close. But no, nonetheless, we don't want to uh, create any rumors there. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bengals, 460, and the Panthers uh, were 82 of those eliminated, and then a handful of teams under 10 uh, contestants uh, each, including one brave soul who actually had the Jets over the Ravens. Actually, two of them hmm. did that. They uh, they went down quickly. Yours truly was amongst one of them who had Tennessee. And uh, it was for me, it was a toss-up between Tennessee and Baltimore. They were each playing what are expected to be some pretty bad New York teams this year. I ended up going with what I thought was a safe pick, going with the home team, Tennessee, even though I like Baltimore and have a future on them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but... Uh, I'm not going to say I outthought myself because I'd probably make the same decision again if uh, if I didn't know anything about the results. So over 50% of the field eliminated. I believe the number is 2585 wow. advancing to uh, uh, to week two. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, contestants fare next week. Remember, you can only use a team once. There's a million-dollar bonus in the Circus Survivor. You have 20 weeks because Thanksgiving week is split into two segments of Thanksgiving Day and then uh, the Sunday-Monday games. Christmas week, similar uh, to that with uh, uh, the, uh, I think there's uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday games, and then three Sunday and one Monday night games comprising the two components to Christmas week. So there will be 20 weeks in the contest over the 18-week season. If you go 20-0 and avoid using the Rams or the Bengals, so you will have completed a perfect season, and you avoid using either of last season's two Super Bowl teams, a million dollars will go to either the solo winner wow. or the number of nice. winners who accomplished that feat. There could Last year, I think there were five winners, uh, three of whom, I believe, um, picked either Kansas City or Tampa Bay, the two previous Super, t Super Bowl teams, in the final week to qualify for uh, their share of a million-dollar bonus. Looking at the uh, the big contest, which has now surpassed the uh, uh, the Westgate Super Contest in terms of popularity and, and measured by number of entries, uh, the Circa Millions, it's in its fourth year. That carries a $6 million guarantee. A lot of folks were waiting 
for the last uh, week or so to enter because there appeared to be a huge overlay. Uh, Derek, uh, uh, Derek Stevens and Circa uh, Properties putting up the full six million. They needed 6,000 entries, even with a last week flurry. They came up short by a million three hundred and nine thousand, only four thousand six hundred and ninety one. Not really surprising. And I must say I was somewhat surprised at the huge guarantee for that contest. I, uh, I did expect that there would be entries, but I also expected that a lot of people who may have had multiple entries in the Circa Million last year might switch those multiple entries to one in the Circa Million and the excess into the Circa Survivor because of the chance for a $6 million guaranteed prize, as opposed to a share of a $6 million guarantee, even though there was an overlay. But uh, that's not the way that the uh, the sharp overlay players think, and they realize that instead of competing against 6,000 uh, other competitors, uh, which would uh, eliminate an overlay, they only have to compete against 4,700. So from a mathematical sense, there is an overlay in that one. As far as the uh, consensus last week in the Circa Million, three and two with winners on the Vikings, Ravens, and Steelers. Losers, again, on the uh, one point uh, missing the push Eagles and on the Denver Broncos uh, Monday night. So those are the uh, major contests. I think next week I'll get a chance to review the Golden Nugget, which is the one major contest. Also has a $1,000 entry fee, but also combines college and pro football side selections only no totals just like uh, with the others which are nfl only uh, and allows a lot of the sharp college uh, football handicappers to have their chance at a nice uh, a nice prize and they, they somewhat have a bit of an edge to the extent that while everyone else is looking at the nfl they're concentrating solely on college football they get basically every game on the board to take a look at. The one drawback, if you want to consider it a drawback, is late in the season when there are only NFL games, maybe a handful of bowl games in late December and early January to choose from. So that's our first contest wrap-up for uh, this weekend, unless there are any questions uh, that I uh, may have failed to address. Well, it sounds like it was a survivor Armageddon last week when half the pool was wiped out and was a really, really tough card. It was yeah. tough from the get-go, having to pick an easy consensus number one play. It ended up being Baltimore, but uh, a tough road favorite in that sense. So we'll see how the survivor continues moving forward. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And if you haven't done so yet, check out his weekly football newsletter at TheLogicalApproach.com. Get yourself a subscription through the Super Bowl. It will be one of the best moves you'll make this football season. And Andy, before I let you go, as we always do, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your free play this week. Well, Mark, this is a play that I rarely make during the course of the season, but it is applicable to uh, week two in the NFL. Uh, and I'm talking about laying a huge number, in this case, a low double digit number. But I'm going to do so this week with the Los Angeles Rams as they host the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Rams looking to avoid an 0-2 start. And again, we don't know exactly what to make uh, of last week's performance in losing to Buffalo. Yeah, there could be a lot of concerns, but keep in mind, Rams probably won't face as talented a team as they did in Buffalo the rest of the season. As I look at their schedule, oh, I'm not even going to put Green Bay in that category, but certainly a Kansas City and a, a Tampa Bay might be the two best teams, but I think both of those teams still power rate lower than do the Buffalo Bills. There are some concerns, of course, some coaching uh, changes from the Rams uh, from last season that might affect their play, but they're facing an Atlanta team that did last week what Atlanta does best, fail to hold on to a lead in a game that they ostensibly 
actually had one middle late fourth quarter. Uh, they they got a decent performance from Marcus Mariota. I was on the Falcons last week, uh, plus the points. Uh, I was uh, terribly concerned that the Atlanta Falcons, in their drive after finally falling behind, would throw a pick six, and the Saints would end up covering in the most cruelest ways of, of losing a uh, football bet. But uh, nonetheless, they managed to just lose by that one point, 27-26. Uh, but they did surrender what seemed to be a comfortable lead throughout the game. So I'm going to look for... A a nice bounce back from the Rams who seek to avoid an 0-2 start in a division that has uh, seen really uh, only Seattle uh, gain a win. Arizona did not look all that good in, uh, in its loss at Kansas City. Uh, San Francisco, if you want to attribute it to the sloppy conditions, I guess can the defense was okay but uh, Trey Lance did not uh, adjust well to uh, the role of starter he'll uh, get another opportunity this week against Seattle but for me uh, the the play I feel most comfortable with stepping down in in class considerably and going up against a foe that has a history of not being able to hold hold on to leads regardless of who the the uh, the head coaches I'm going to lay the 10 maybe you have to lay 10 and a half with the Rams to bounce back and even their record uh, both straight up and against the spread this week. That's Andy Isco on the L.A. Rams in a big bounce back this week, the defending Super Bowl champions to bounce back off that embarrassing opening week loss last week. Andy, great job, as always, on the show this week. I look forward to visiting with you once again next week here on the all-new Against the Spread video podcast of the show and wish you the very best of luck this week as well. Thanks, Mark. I wish you, Victor, and all of our, well, I guess I can say viewers as well as listeners, all the best of success and hope that at least on a global basis, the results are better than last week, although I'm sure some of our viewers and listeners uh, had success. In fact, I'll mention that in the Super Contest, 67 contestants uh, did go a perfect 5-0 and last week, and in the Circa Million, 209 went 5-0, and 842 went four and one. So basically uh, a quarter of the field in the Circa Million uh, had a four and one start or better. Once again, Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, we'll catch up with you next week. Good luck as always. And before we move on to our awesome angle of the week on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners out there about the all new free pick videos available at the PlaybookSports.com website. All you need to do to check out any of our Playbook Experts free pick videos is simply log on at this address. Get your pencils out. It's pb, like playbook, pb.buzz, B-U-Z-Z, forward slash video, pb.buzz forward slash video to find a free pick video from your favorite Playbook Expert. And speaking of which, before I move on to that awesome angle of the week, let's check in quickly with fellow Playbook Expert Jim Feist to see who he's looking at this week. And the free play for this weekend is Nevada. That's right, Nevada taking the points in college football. Okay, thanks to Jim Feist for that free complimentary play on the college football card this Saturday. With that, let's get to our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. It comes directly from the Playbook Football Newsletter, our featured Smart Box column, and we call it Trippin' Up. And what we're looking to do is to play against any 2-0 college football conference favorite in game number three of the season who beat the spread in both of those wins. So what you have here is a favorite in week number three who started out 2-0 straight up and against the spread. By fading these guys, we are 29-9 and against the spread. That's a pretty hefty 76% winning percentage. 
This week, we'll play against Mississippi State and take the points with LSU for our awesome angle play on the football card this weekend. Before I hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his top complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners that my Fan Appreciation Weekend of Football winners is on tap this weekend. It includes my NFL Underdog Game of the Month. Right on the heels of the big NFL Opening Week Play of the Year, just $79 gets it all. Our Fan Appreciation Weekend of Football winners log on now at playbooksports.com or call toll-free at one 800 321 7777. And a quick note here from our good friends at mybookie.ag, a sponsor of our show. They're offering a double first time deposit bonus. You make a first time deposit at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK, and they'll double that bonus. Take advantage of it this weekend, just in time for the football games this weekend. And with that, Victor, I want to hand it off to you for your complimentary play. I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap this weekend. Absolutely, Mark. In the NFL, we already have a over-under selection in the Thursday nighter. That's that big AFC West battle between the Chiefs and the Chargers. And that's up, of course, at the PlaybookSports.com website. We'll also have a primetime selection on Sunday night in the NFL in the Green Bay Packers-Chicago Bears game. And again, in college football, we've gone three and one on the season with our totals. It's a good start, 75%. We've got another watch and win over the total selection that will be available on Saturday as well. And, you know, Mark, we talk a little bit about, you know, playing these NFL team totals. The fact that we introduced them four seasons ago when we brought our puppy dog Tuco home. And he's done very well with those selections Again, let's be honest, it's really the master who does those plays. It's not Tuco, but we'll give him the credit for those plays anyway. What, <laughs> what the heck? Again, we've done well with these selections, even better than our regular over-unders. So with that said, we've started to dip our toes a little bit into the college football waters in regards to team totals this season and we've got one going this week for our free play. In fact, we're going to go to the Friday night primetime game, playing again down here in the Sunshine State in the ACC Conference. I'm sorry, they're playing at Louisville. It's Louisville versus Florida State in an ACC game on Friday night. And Louisville's team total is a pretty high 27 and a half points. And we're playing Louisville under their team total. Uh, if you remember Florida State, they played LSU back in that first game of the season. It was that Sunday night game. And LSU had that dual threat quarterback, Jaden Daniels, who did, had a pretty good game on the ground against the Seminoles. But man, oh man, they gave him nightmares when he was in the pocket. They limited him to only 5.9 yards per attempt, and they sacked him four times. Guess what? Louisville has got a similar dual threat quarterback. Malik Cunningham, I love the guy. He's a very, very good quarterback. But again, he's a much better runner than he is a passer. And yeah, they rebounded the Cardinals after that uh, very humiliating season opening loss to Syracuse by upsetting Central Florida down here in the Sunshine State in the bounce house last week. But the score was only 20 to 14 as underdogs of five and a half points. And while Cunningham 
got the much-needed W thanks to his 121 rushing yards. He once again struggled to throw the football. And he battled his accuracy, completing only 48% of his passes against UCF. And guess what? Now he's got to compete against a much, much more talented Florida State defense. Heck, Louisville scored only 27 points all season in their two games. And again, now they must face off against a well-rested Florida State Seminoles team. That's definitely the toughest defense the Cardinals have faced this season. And you're giving me their team total at 27.5 points. I'll take a piece of the under for the Louisville Cardinals in the Friday night national TV ACC conference game. Mark, that's it for me. What do you got going this weekend? Well, Victor, thanks. Good luck with that total on the college football card. I love the fact that you're exposing these college and NFL team totals. It's really a unique way to play these over-under totals. And doing as well as you're doing, I'm sure you've got a lot of interest from our listeners out there as well. Good luck on Louisville going under that total this week as well. For my complimentary play on the college football card this week, I'm going to go right back with the team that I used last week on our late phone executive service and just got nipped at the wire in the football game. I'm going to play Fresno State plus the points against Southern Cal. Last week, Fresno State took on Oregon State, and Oregon State ran in a touchdown on the very final play of the game to get the win in the cover in the contest, despite the fact that Fresno thoroughly outplayed Oregon State. They outyarded them 492 to 395 yards in the game. you got to uh, Fresno State football team that's a perfect 2-0 in the stats this year, winning the games by an average of 161 yards a game. They've won the money six of their last seven times against Pac-12 opposition. They're also 9-1 to the spread as dogs of more than 10 points. You've got here Southern Cal looking at their Pac-12 conference opener up next week with Oregon State, who upended Southern Cal as a 10-point favorite at USC last year. I think Southern Cal gets caught looking ahead in this football game. Fresno State plus the points. I'm going to even tickle them on the money line. That's going to do it for this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with his weekly Vegas Five. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.